Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. We're putting black girl magic in motion. This show is dedicated to reinventing wellness for women of color. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Welcome back to the Balanced Black Girl Podcast. This is actually the first episode that I've recorded since the podcast has been released out into the world. And I have to start off by saying a huge thank you to everyone who has downloaded, listened to, shared, or reviewed the show. The fact that so many of you have chosen to tune in and spend time with me is a huge honor, and I don't take that lightly. I also don't take the responsibility of serving so many people who do not feel represented online lately. So thank you for riding with me. I really appreciate you being here. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share the review of the week. It says, I stumbled across your IG page and swerved over to find the podcast. Thank you for this. I'm a mother of four young adults and in my mid-40s who has always been active but just recently started powerlifting, and I love it. I competed in my first meet, and I could count the beautiful chocolate sisters like me on one hand at the meet competing. I think what you are offering is a beautiful outlet. We are out here looking for representation, knowledge, and resources. Can't wait for the next episode. I'll be sharing this podcast with my daughters, sisters, and friends. So thank you so much for this amazing review. Thank you for sharing the podcast with your daughters, sisters, and friends. Um, and also three snaps for the powerlifting mama. I hope I'm powerlifting when I'm in my 40s and a mama. That's amazing. You're my hero, my shiro. So if you haven't already, please rate and review the Balanced Black Girl podcast on iTunes if this content resonates with you really helps us reach more people looking for diversity and representation in wellness. It gets us in front of more people. So if you could leave a review, I would really, really appreciate it. So today's show, we're going to talk about beauty standards for women of color. So the title of this show is Pretty for a Black Girl, which is a statement that a lot of black women are probably very familiar with, and and we're going to talk about that And we're going to talk about how skewed beauty standards are, particularly here in the United States, for women of color. And we're also going to talk about how those of us who are on the receiving ends of comments like, you're pretty for a fill in the blank, how to handle it and and how to not let comments like that really 
question, make us question our worth and make us doubt ourselves because they can and it can be really, really hurtful. And we're going to really unpack these statements. We're going to unpack these beauty standards and we're going to talk about what we can do to broaden the definition of beauty so that statements like this no longer exist. So I have been told many times in my life, you're pretty for a black girl many, many times. And I'm sure that many of you listening can relate. I I know I'm not the only person who has been told this. I have so many friends who have been told this in their lives as well. And when people say this, it's often meant as a compliment, but it's not a compliment, at least not a very good one. It's actually a statement that is really hurtful it's really offensive, uh, and honestly, it's it's just not okay to say to somebody. And we're going to unpack what people are truly saying when they say that uh, or when they make comments such as, you're pretty for a black girl or you're pretty for a fill-in-the-blank. Essentially, this statement is implying that most women from a said culture aren't pretty and If you are on the receiving end of this statement, they're saying that you as an individual are pretty or display a sense of beauty in spite of your heritage. So women who generally are in your cultural group aren't pretty, but you, you're pretty. So good for you. It's a qualifier of a compliment that is blatantly untrue. So stating that someone is pretty for a fill-in-the-blank as if the rest of their cultural group isn't purely based off of being a part of that cultural group is a qualifier that is blatantly untrue and at best is a complete backhanded compliment. And that's not a good thing. I want to also unpack the colorism that can often come with this statement because the broader statement of you're pretty for a black girl uh, is kind of an umbrella term. Within that, there are different facets of that. So for women who have darker skin, I know get told you're pretty for a dark skin girl. And it's the same thing. It is just as unacceptable. It is just as offensive. It's just as hurtful. And it's just as untrue as the general blanket statement. However, when we consider colorism, specifically in the black community, just because that's kind of what I am more familiar with, it's it's seen as your beauty being measured via proximity to whiteness. So there is a stereotype or a myth that if you have lighter skin or if you have more of a mixed appearance, that that is more desirable because it's seen as having a closer proximity to whiteness in your heritage. And that is something that I've dealt with quite a bit. For me, I am on kind of the lighter end of the spectrum and a comment that I get a lot or a question I get a lot are people asking, so what are you mixed with? Oh, you're so pretty. What are you mixed with? You must be mixed, right? And for people who do not know me in real life, I'm actually not mixed. I have two black parents and my parents are incredible. They are the definition of about the culture. So I grew up in a very pro-black, black culture household, just without a doubt. And so when I was younger, I remember 
first being asked that when I was in elementary school, some of the older girls being like, your hair is so long and pretty. Are you mixed? And feeling so confused and even offended at a young age. And I couldn't understand why. I was probably maybe like six years old. And I remember feeling really offended, even in elementary school, receiving that question. And I couldn't understand why I was so upset by it. Obviously, being a young child, you know, you, you can't fully articulate how you feel about things a lot of the time. And it wasn't until way later in life that I was able to articulate why why that question was uh, upsetting for me. And it's not that being mixed is a bad thing because it's not. Um, and it's not that being compared to a mixed person is what is offensive. What has always been offensive to me is if someone thinks that my you know, external beauty, which is completely subjective and in the eye of the beholder, um, is something that's not attributed to blackness, that it it has to be something else contributing to that because just blackness isn't enough. And the fact that I felt that, even though I couldn't articulate it, as a young child, I look back on that and I was like, wow, I think my parents did a really good job of making sure that I was really aware of where I came from and what my culture was if I was able to be offended by that statement as such a young child. So I also have had instances as an adult, uh, especially with men, where I will have people say, oh, girl, like, what are you mixed with? And when I say I'm actually not mixed, like I'm black, I have two black parents, I have gotten a response that is a little bit um, disappointed, which is also really, really interesting and is also really, really offensive. I very specifically a few months ago, I was out, probably shouldn't have been out, but I was out and this guy came up and was talking to me and I we had that exact exchange and I was like, actually, I'm not mixed. And his face looked so disappointed. Like, he really hoped that he was going to be talking to some exotic, mixed girl. But, oh, you're just you're just a black girl? Like, oh, well, that's, that's not exciting. And, again, <laughs> just like being told you're pretty for a black girl, it's super hurtful. It is super offensive. And it's super not okay to be on the other end of statements like this. It doesn't feel good. And when you make statements like this, not you, the listener, because if you're listening to this podcast, I highly doubt that you talk to people that way. But in general, when statements like this are made, the people making those statements or making those assumptions or having that disappointed response is not only insulting the individual who you're talking to, the individual who you're telling, oh, you're pretty for a black girl. You're insulting their background. You're insulting their heritage. You're insulting their culture. You're insulting where they come from. It's so much bigger than just a backhanded compliment. You're insulting someone's culture and the fiber of their being. I also want to acknowledge that I know this statement, pretty for a fill in the blank, is not something that only happens to black women. I was a few months ago talking to my friend Nina, who had a very similar experience. She, just as some contextual information, is freaking beautiful like strikingly pretty on the outside, but also a really, really beautiful person on the inside. It's just the kindest, most generous, will literally give you the shirt off her back kind of person. And she is also Chinese. And she was sharing with me that people say to her all the time, 
you're pretty for an Asian girl. And it's the same thing. It's like, what <laughs> what does that mean, first of all? Second of all, you're implying that people from those cultures aren't pretty, which is not true. It's a qualifier that, again, is not true. So I do also want to acknowledge that I know that this happens to people from all different backgrounds. And it's still the same thing, just not okay, still just as insulting of one's culture. And I also want to add that our beauty really comes from our spirit, our soul, our values, how we treat others. And more often than not, things like that are as a result of how we're raised. They're a result of your culture. They're a result of the community that you come from. So if we're actually looking at it from this definition, your beauty is more than likely because of your heritage and how you are raised, not despite your heritage and where you come from. It's really all about reframing that definition. I also want to talk about kind of our greater definitions of beauty and and where they come from and how we can broaden them. Kind of like I mentioned earlier when I was talking about those instances of colorism, for black women, our definition of beauty is not Beyonce. Don't get me wrong. I love Beyonce as much as the next person trust. But she's not the end-all be-all of beauty for black women. She is one super talented person who is real good at her job of making amazing music and performing, but she's not the end-all be-all or people who look like her are not the end-all be-all of beauty for black women. It's a way broader definition because we're such a diverse group of beautiful, deeply cultured, incredible people. So it's really time to expand those definitions of beauty. And I think that also comes from figuring out what features do we define as beautiful? What what features are considered beautiful? If someone's told that they are quote unquote pretty for a fill in the blank, well then what is it about this person that makes them pretty for a fill in the blank that's different from the rest of their cultural group? What is it? And if we look at what that it is and broaden those definitions, then that's how beauty becomes more inclusive and it doesn't become this one size fits all. And I think that we really can't in this conversation overlook the fact that we're at a point in our society where a lot of traditionally black features are seen as more acceptable when they are on white bodies. We just live in a day and age where the definition of beauty is changing a bit, but that's kind of what it's evolving into. And we have to address that. We have to address that that's not okay. And that even though the definition of beauty is broadening, it's not broadening wide enough if those of us who who naturally have certain features are still not included in it. So really looking at where our definitions of beauty come from and also who is defining those definitions. Not to date myself, but hint, I am an old millennial. And I'm about to sound really old with this next statement. But back in my day, which is the biggest indicator that you're getting old when you say back in my day. But back in my day, when I was coming up, a lot of definitions or images of beauty really were centered around images in magazines. So when I was in middle school, high school, I was obsessed with magazines. I had like a million magazine subscriptions. And a lot of the girls in those magazines did kind of look a certain 
way. That definition of beauty was very, very narrow. However, social media wasn't really a thing yet, so that was how we were able to kind of keep up with what was going on, with what was cool, with fashion, with beauty. That was kind of our main source, but it was really narrowly defined by a small group of people who were putting out these publications. Even though social media isn't always the best thing for us, especially if we spend a lot of time on social media, one good thing about social media is it gives all of us who use it, all of us users who have active accounts, who post content, even if you're not a content creator, even if you're just a regular person posting content, you are kind of now the editor, right? You now get to put out images that can include your definition of beauty or of a beauty that looks more like you. And I think that's why we're starting to see some movements and some traction towards expanding that definition of beauty, because now we all have the power to be the magazine editor. We're not just leaving it to a small group of people who are publishing kind of the same images over and over. So that could be one good thing about social media is that those of us as real people with diverse viewpoints of beauty and diverse beauty standards, we can really kind of put ourselves out there to redefine what that looks like. Now, another part of this kind of along the same lines is for those of us who maybe don't fit the conventional standards of beauty, Maybe taking a step back and embracing what we have in a way to conform less to those standards. Now, that is far easier said than done, and I acknowledge that. And it's something that I also struggle with and am really trying to wrap my head around. Uh, But if we look back at those definitions of beauty or at those specific features that were considered quote-unquote more beautiful, I bet at some point in our lives, for those of us who are a little bit further outside of those conventional features, we probably at some point tried to conform to them in one way or another. I know I have. I absolutely know I have. From the way I've dressed to the way I've done my hair, I have done all sorts of things to try to fit more of a conventional or sometimes, honestly, white definition of beauty. And it's become very recently, now that I am a bit older and in my late 20s, that I've become more okay with being like, actually, this is what I'm working with and this is what we're going to do. But that is so much easier said than done. And it has to be something where if you're going to take the step to do those things and to not conform, maybe in some of the ways that you've conformed in the past, it has to be purely your decision. It has to be because you genuinely want to, because you genuinely feel comfortable doing so. It can't be because someone else tells you that you have to. And it also shouldn't be a situation where we think someone is less than if they maybe haven't embraced some of their own natural beauty yet because it's a journey for everyone that is completely individual. But just know that no matter where you fall on that spectrum from either still maybe doing some conforming to those kind of older beauty standards or more so naturally embracing what you've got, you still have a beauty that is completely unmatched because it is uniquely yours. And it's okay to share that because when you share that, that is how we're going to really continue broadening that definition. So that disclaimers of 
pretty for a fill in the blank will honestly be irrelevant because pretty will look like each and every one of us. There will be no such thing as a disqualifier because there will be nothing to disqualify because people will see the beauty that is actually already there in each and every one of us. And something else that I also think a lot about is how closely related beauty and fitness really are, especially from an industry standpoint and from a marketing standpoint. I mean, the beauty industry and the diet fitness industry are really just two peas in a pod. Both industries are playing out of the same playbook. Both industries really prey on the insecurities of the consumer, really leading people to believe that they need to change who they are to feel worthy, to feel beautiful, and to feel accepted by using certain products and looking more like this you'll be more beautiful and worthy or by having a thigh gap and abs by taking this diet pill feel more beautiful and worthy and that's also completely completely untrue and it's also really irresponsible on behalf of of both of those industries however i do think that there can be some goodness found in those industries as well specifically if we talk about the beauty industry i think that there has been a far bigger effort by a lot of companies to be more inclusive in their product selections in terms of shades available so that women of color can actually find makeup that truly matches our skin, which is huge and up until recently just was not even on a lot of companies' radars. And the fact that many more companies are being mindful of this and putting out products considering this is actually a really, really great thing because wanting to use beauty products isn't a bad thing. It can be really fun. A lot of those products are part of basic hygiene and are really important. And it can also just be a fun way to express yourself. And when you find something or a product that meets you where you're at and serves the needs that you have without you feeling like you need to change who you are without even being able to use it, then that's a really great thing. So that could that's a really positive direction that that industry is moving in. And again, if we talk about social media, you know, a lot of images on social media are not that great. And there are plenty of, you know, Instagram fitspo that is less than inspiring. However, there are also a lot of people out there who are, and there are so many wonderful influencers and trainers and yoga teachers and companies doing really cool things to show that health and and a fit body can look any different way. And so we all also have the power to seek out those companies putting out those positive messages Because as the consumer, as the people following, we have a lot of power with who we give our follows to. We have a lot of power with who we give our dollars to. So I think it's also really important for us on the receiving end of feeling outside of the norm to really focus on our attention, our dollars, our follows, and our energy towards those companies that get it, that get us, and that are really here to serve us. It's really, really important. And I also want to touch on the fact that it's so important to remember that your physical body does not determine your worth in this world. I know we talked a lot about beauty today. We talked a lot about fitness and definitions of beauty. However, like your weight, your hair, body type, facial features, none of those things determine your value. Who you are 
inside determines your value. How you treat others determines your value. How you as an individual shows up in the world determines your value, not your external body. And it's also really important when we are talking about those definitions to make sure that we touch on that because at the end of the day, you can change your appearance as much as you want or you can be as conventionally quote unquote pretty as you want to be. But if you aren't right on the inside, if you still don't have compassion for yourself, if you still don't have your mind right, life is still going to be really, really hard. And changing what you look like on the outside isn't going to fix that. So starting with self-compassion is always, always numero uno. And self-compassion, self-love, self-acceptance, they're not an external thing that we can buy. It's not some external entity that we can grab or catch from someone else. It's literally like a muscle. Just like you train a muscle, you have to train yourself to feel more self-compassion. It takes repetition. It takes practice. It takes doing it even when you don't feel like it, just like training a muscle. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it to get right on the inside because when you're right on the inside, then what's happening outside and what people think of your outside really doesn't matter as much. Another big part of this is how we treat and talk to others. So obviously, we've covered why it's not okay to compliment someone's looks with a disclaimer of what their heritage is. I think I think I made that pretty clear. And in our ideal world, we would be valuing each other for the people we are and for our souls and not for our external appearance. However, for those of us with the gift of sight, which is also something to not take for granted because not everyone has that gift. We are visual beings and oftentimes what we see is kind of our first step to collecting information about the world around us. So us being able to make judgments or to draw conclusions based off of what we see, it's unrealistic to ask people to not do that. However, I think when we work on our interactions with each other, something that we can all do is to not have the first compliment or the first comment we have for someone when we see them to be about their appearance in regards to what their heritage is, in regards to how their hair looks, in regards to their weight. Oh my gosh, If please don't make your first comment to someone be about their weight. Please, please, please. That is like the biggest no-no in the book. We really have to start connecting with each other off of things that are a bit deeper. So when you see someone, don't have your first comment be about their appearance. Even if something strikes you or catches your eye, take a moment. Think of something deeper to compliment them on or to talk about and and lead with that. And if eventually, you know, you kind of circle back and you can mention something about their appearance, like that's fine. But we have got to get away from having external appearance be the first thing we notice about someone, the first thing we're willing to say to someone, the first nice thing we're willing to say to someone. We've got to go a little bit deeper because if we can continue having interactions that are a little bit deeper, then again, these comments such as pretty for fill in the blank will just continue to just go away because we will connect with each other on a deeper level. Appearance just can't be the first and only thing we think of when we interact with each other. 
All right. And, you know, that is all I have for today on this topic of beauty standards, broadening beauty standards and pretty for fill in the blank. I hope this is the last time uh, I hear that statement. It's the last time I intend on saying it. And I would also love to hear your experiences with this. If you have had an experience with comments like this, how did they make you feel? How did you deal with it? How did you handle it? Uh, please feel free to hit me up on Instagram at Balanced Less. You can also go to the Instagram for the show at Balanced Black Girl Podcast. If you liked this episode, if you liked the podcast, please, please, please make sure you leave a rating and review on iTunes. It's a huge help. And I'm also always on the lookout for more topic suggestions. So if you ever have a topic that you want covered on the show, if you have someone that you really want to be featured or interviewed on the show, please feel free to reach out again. I'm on Instagram at Balanced Less. Leave me a comment. Shoot me a message. I would love to hear from you. Until next time.